she's thinking this is the closest I've ever come to seeing the dream of my life come true, which is not a dream for myself, a dream for the world. Yeah. And she has to slowly figure out this isn't a dream, it's a nightmare. Yeah. All right, welcome back to Antisocial Studies. Emily learns about Emma Goldman, part three. It's, I think, going to be our big conclusion with Rudy. So setting the stage, Emma Goldman emigrated when she was 16. She um, very quickly became an anarchist speaker, is very influential. She has helped try to organize some assassinations that have failed. She's inspired the the assassination of McKinley, which succeeds. She is now maybe at the height of her notoriety or is reaching the height of her notoriety. And we are right on the cusp of a thing called World War One. Yep. All right. So, so she, you know, like the, the two big causes that she really gets into in the 1910s are birth control. Um, and she's working with Margaret Sanger and she gets arrested for distributing birth control. Emma, so she gets, first she's arrested for, for violating the Comstock Act. Then um, she protests uh, U.S. entry into World War One because right. she's also pacifist. She very much believes that like any war is about capitalism. It's about like these governments fighting and Espe- people, and especially um, World War One, right? I mean, World War One was about nothing. World War One was yeah. about imperialism and a bunch of big militaries that wanted to prove they were the best and that wanted to get each other's colonies. So if ever there was a war to argue this is meaningless and just about a bunch of dudes fighting for power. World War One is the one to do it. Absolutely. And so what usually, what happens is the idea that like, you can protest a war up until the war gets declared, but then when it's declared, then you you gotta stop. You know, like it's this idea of, you you gotta support the troops. Yeah. Um, And it was like, the best way I can support the troops is to protest the war. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So she continues to do so, and as such, she and Sasha are both arrested. Hmm. The thing that's fascinating about World War One is how important propaganda was to all of this, or how important like messaging from the government was. That, and I think it's partly because they they knew like, why are we fighting this war? How can we motivate people to go fight this war because a Serb a Serb shot an Austrian, and we don't care about it. And so like Wilson creates a thing that's very Orwellian called like the Committee on Public Information, which is like just to create propaganda. This is where we get the like Uncle Sam, we want you poster. Um, And so yeah, messaging and controlling the message is really important. And so they start to also really crack down on people speaking out against the war. And of course, the big thing, the big news in the Anarchist International Network is the Soviet Revolution Russia. Yeah, it happens. It yeah, actually exactly. happens somewhere. It happens. And that's what they're saying. It's like, and even though like, I, you know, obviously socialism and anarchism are two different things. Um, this was the closest anarchists were getting to it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they felt like, oh, well, this is, this is the next logical step is socialism. And after that, we'll have anarchism and everything will be fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it'll end so well. <laughs> we're so excited about it. So like, so, so Emma was very like torn should I go to Russia or should I stay in the U.S.? Hmm. But then she gets arrested and the decision is made for her. Okay. So she's arrested in 1917, released in 1919, and 
immediately deported to Russia. Which is sort of like, it's a hilarious thing. It's like when a kid is acting up in school because they don't want to be in school. And so you um, like give them a suspension and they have to go home for a week. And you're like, well, that's kind of what they wanted. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Uh, What happens to Sasha? But enough about six period two years ago. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So um, anyway, so Emma, so she and Sasha are deported to Russia in 1919. They arrived in 1920 in January. Hmm. Um, And they get treated so well when they arrive. Okay, that's what I would think. Yeah, like everybody's like Emma Goldman is here, y'all. Like, yeah, get the party started. Um, by that we mean the Communist Party, and um, <laughs> and they're greeted by like all these people, like including like a lot of old friends who they've known from the international movement, who either were also deported from hmm. various countries or who have just said, "Well, I want to be in Russia now because that's where it's happening." Yeah, but like they're there, and it's that that feeling that you get when you're sort of just like. This is all really great, but there's something off. Mm-hmm. Like this one friend of theirs is like, oh, I've I've come to learn. One of my favorite new Russian road is like Rosiliat, which is like death by firing squad. Mm-hmm. And she's realizing like that all these people are advocating for the violent suppression of counter-revolutionaries. All right. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem, right? This is the problem with, you know, when you talk about the movement towards communism, you talk about something like the Bolshevik Revolution, is that, you know, the idea is sort of, okay, well, right, Lenin said, we're the vanguard of the people. Like, yes, it's supposed to be a full people's revolution, but the people are working too hard and too ignorant to know how to even do this. So we need to be the leaders that will, like, guide them there. The problem is you get stuck then, because once those people have power... Right, it's re- it becomes much more difficult for them to give it up and for other people to take it. And so it's like it sounds like Emma Goldman, right? She wants let's keep going, let's keep on our way to really dismantling this big overarching government. Whereas probably the men in charge are trying right then to build some new government. This to me is the most fascinating part of her story, and it's the one that most people don't focus on because it's like not American, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not like the McKinley assassination. Yeah. It's not like, <laughs> but to me, it's this, this moment where she arrives in Russia and it's, she's thinking, this is the closest I've ever come to seeing the dream of my life come true, which is not a dream for myself, but a dream for the world. Yeah. And she has to slowly figure out this isn't a dream. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Which is so intense. Um, Hmm. Yeah, like, to look around and be like, I mean, because it's, she seems to have a lot of faith in people, right? Yeah. She has faith in people. And this is where, right, communism is one of those things that like on paper, if you have faith in people, then it makes a ton of sense. And then when you put it into practice, at least in, especially in something as huge as what's going to become the Soviet Union, it's like, not all people are Emma Goldman. Nope, nope. And wow. so she goes to... Like, she goes to Lenin, all right? Just calls him uh, up. They're trying to be like, well, how can we help, all right? And Lenin's just like, it's fine, it's fine, everything's fine. Uh. Don't, don't, don't worry. In the U.S., we created an organization to support anarchists in, and socialists in Russia. 
what if we do the reverse? We'll fundraise here to support anarchism and socialism in the U.S. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's perfect. That's great. Go do that. All right. Do that. Yeah. It feels um, very much like, okay, let me give them a task so they don't get in my way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But in the meantime, but like, what they're doing is they're trying to like sort of see all what's going on around them. And like they go to a prison, um, which is, you know, a gulag and is struck by how like, wow, these prisoners are being treated even less humanely than I was in U.S. prisons. Yeah. No. And, and then some of them are just like, you know, to the point of being deranged because they're starving because they're, they've been in like solitary confinement. But she's really trying to hold on to this idea of just like, no, 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 no. This is like, it's like, this is all for now. That as soon as they've, they've, they've cleared out those counter-revolutionaries, yeah. um, everything will be okay. <clears throat> so the Kronstadt rebellion was basically the equivalent of a strike. So the workers at this Kronstadt factory they feel like their working conditions and the wages that they're getting from the state in this case, you know, are not enough. So they're like, we're going to go on strike to get better wages and better protection, you know? And of course, Emma's like a strike. I love me a strike. <laughs> and it's entirely in support of them. Yeah. Lenin sends in troops and it's a massacre. So Lenin just becomes Carnegie and Frick all over again. Yeah. And I wonder what conclusion she's coming to. Is it just any any dude with power is going to want to keep that power? Like, that would be so infuriating. So it's the Kronstadt Rebellion that Emma looks at it and she finds, she and Sasha both, like, say to themselves, like, we can't pretend that this is our revolution anymore. Yeah. And we have to get out. Mm. So they leave Russia she can't go back to the U.S. Right. Um, she winds up living in various parts of Europe for like the last, um, the last like couple of decades of her life. Hmm. Um, but to me, like I, I just I, I'm really fascinated by that thought process and that that process of figuring out like, you know, oh, this thing that that felt like the dream come true is anything but. Mm -hmm. is to me like the most interesting time within a woman's life. And it's also such a rare moment that most people don't get in their life. First of all, most people don't have such a strong goal or vision or in their life, right? Most people are just sort of like living their life. And then for someone who has that to actually see it not happen, but like see it happen as close as it maybe can and to see it fail is so sad regardless of what you think about her or her views or whatever, it's just such a sad experience for someone. Sometime in the 1930s, uh, Sasha Berkman passes away finally. And the only thing that perks her spirits up is the Spanish Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Thank like, God. You know, you know, Francisco like, Franco comes in to save right, the day. Right. Um, but like, but what it is, it's, it's because like this was actually there were parts of Spain that were controlled by anarchists. Yeah. She got to see these people actually putting their ideology into action. And this time around, again, like it sadly was crushed by fascism, but while it worked, she said it worked. 
and she said that like that actually the thing we were talking about earlier she said like you all prove that anarchism doesn't mean chaos right it's a bittersweet nice thing because you know it ends up failing in spain but it's it doesn't fail in spain because anarchism is failing it fails just because you have this fascist dictator come in with just an inordinate amount of power but this is going to be maybe a weird comparison but her story and a few different times i've been thinking about john lewis i was thinking about someone like john lewis in terms of someone who starts really young and lives a long life and gets to see a lot of things happening and i i think about how you know john lewis died just a month after like george floyd and how frustrating that would be to be like i mean he was really motivated and one of the earlier i i learned about earlier was that he was really motivated by Emmett Till's murder, right? And that's what gets him involved. And then at the end of his life to see George Floyd's murder must be so infuriating. But then, you know, he had this op-ed that he had published after he died that's like, but I see the young people in the streets and I see you and I'm inspired by you. And so in that way, Emma has this similar arc where she's inspired by Haymarket. She then makes it to communist Russia and sees the exact same thing happening there but is at least able to die knowing like, but these ideas are still there and there are still people trying to do it the, the quote unquote right way, however she thinks that yeah. is. The cornerstone of Emma, if I could give anything, is that she loved joy and love and art and the beautiful things of life, hmm. you know? And for her, the thought that anyone would be denied that whether it was because of their gender or their sexuality or their social class yeah. was calling to her, mm. you know? And so like, it was, it was, she, for her, it was like saying, you know, I want everyone to dance. I want everyone to go to the party. I want everyone to go to the theater, like, you know, and to see <sighs> these beautiful plays and, and to see art and to read novels and to like, and to have the time yeah. and the, financial security to do all those things mm. you know so like as, as much as and there there are those there are those again the the, the hardcore communists you know will all say oh well that's all bourgeois stuff and she's like so i don't care like you know and then it's like <laughs> like we should we should get to experience beauty and art and joy yeah and oh so at an emma goldman party there's great music there's great dancing there's probably ice cream and everyone's invited exactly i love it I now love her. Um, yeah. I might be an anarchist just because I want to be as close to Emma Goldman as possible. 